0: Hello everyone, Stephen Chicken here, just before we start the podcast, I want to talk about the big sleep out which is happening at the John Smith Stadium on Friday the 24th of March. I'll be joining in this year with a big group of people who are raising funds, much needed funds, for local homeless charities and organisations as well as for the town foundations, breakfast clubs, very worthy causes. We're going to be sleeping out, Uh, on the on the stands or in the concourse of the john smith stadium Uh, it is only one night very very fortunate obviously uh, that it is only for one night for me Uh, but the aim is to try and give those of us taking part an insight into the struggles that homeless people deal with on a day-to-day basis we are raising funds for that if you can please donate it would be much, much appreciated by me and, of course, by everyone at Huddersfield Town and the associated charities, above all else. If You can donate anything from a fiver up to whatever you have available. Go to tiny.cc forward slash chickensleep. That's tiny.cc forward slash chickensleep. And you can donate or Google Big Sleep Out Huddersfield Town and you'll get all the information about the cause there. On with a podcast. Hello, welcome to To Be a Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined as ever by David James Hartrick, the former England goalkeeper. How are you doing?
1: If only my middle name was James. Nice We've had this discussion mate. before. Yeah, last week. I don't like my middle name now I share it with Chris Waddle. So if you really want to Wikipedia it and look it up, there you go. You can.
0: There you go. Difficult. Couple of weeks, Dave. We didn't do a podcast last week, I think, because it would have been about five minutes long. Uh,
1: after there was nothing to say, was there? <laughs> no. Nothing to say.
0: After after the Burnley game, I think I you were a lot less forgiving of that performance and that result than me. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. And we've been made to look quite silly for being so forgiven in light of the Blackpool result. Um, but uh, there we go. But Huddersfield Town themselves have also followed it with another 4-0 defeat, this time on their own turf, this time in a game that Neil Warnock actually felt was winnable, in a game that they were going for it, in a game where, you know, you and I were saying before this game they need four points from these two home games, that's beyond them now. Felt like this was the game where it all came crashing home didn't it particularly with results elsewhere that it's uh it's not looking good now
1: no not at all and the the Burnley game I I was disappointed with because I don't even I don't even particularly feel like they had a go but then yesterday was just yeah we'll get into it but it it, there was a lot of sort of chickens came home to roost for me in that single game, and then results going against them. I just, I think it's, look, nothing's impossible, nothing's impossible, but at the same time, uh, it would be quite an extraordinary turnaround from this point, and you know, ultimately, their destiny is no longer in their own hands, and. You're looking at what a three four game swing yeah. in their favour yeah. from at least two sides. It just feels, it feels a lot, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it's the the fact that they're bottom now. They they mm. don't just need to be better than Cardiff over the rest of the season. They need to be significantly better than Cardiff and also need to be better than Blackpool and Wigan. It's it's it's. I think it's too much to make up. I've crunched the numbers after 35 games. There's been 30 teams in the last 30 years in the the second tier who have had a six point plus gap to make up and not a single one of them has managed to do it. If they can win on Tuesday, there's still a a faint slither of hope, I think, because there's been a few that have survived from a a four or five point gap. But even then, I think you're looking Town need to win half their remaining games and there is no evidence at the moment to suggest that that is at all going to happen. They've, they've not kept a clean sheet since December. They've won one of the last 10 games. They failed to score in three of the last four. And early this season, they, were, they had a lot of very frustrating results where they were in the game and they'd lose by the odd goal. They'd only lost by two goals or more. I think it was five times all season up to the end of February. They'd now done it. Sorry, up to up to when Mark Fotheringham left, it's now three times in the last four games that they've done it, and that on Coventry was as, as bad as we've we've seen from them this season. Despite bringing in Neil Warnock, despite the positivity and the new buzz that was around after after he came back in, it, it does feel like a, a lost cause, and I, I think that was definitely the feeling at the the John Smith Stadium, wasn't it? I mean, there were there were people around me that were in tears. Some of the players on the final whistle were in tears and it felt like obviously it's not looked good all season but this, as I said earlier, felt like the game where reality sort of came crashing home for a lot of people and as you say, it's going to take not just a minor miracle but something of a major miracle for them to get out of it now. We'll talk about the game, I think. I think the first half there really wasn't a lot in it and Coventry got the goal through an individual error. I think Michal Helic has been possibly town's best player this season it's rare to see him making that kind of mistake We know he had it in him But he hasn't done it too much this season But it's, it's a woeful um, back pass And obviously Kiyokeres just just nips in Takes it and dinks it over the pitch Too easy for him And you're thinking at half time That they could still be in this As I say, it's been nothing in this game If they get the next goal then who knows, momentum might be behind them, could have a repeat of Birmingham and instead we got the complete opposite. You know, it was very much like the Burnley game but with the two halves switched and that second half performance offered absolutely nothing in the way of positives.
1: No, no. I like. I think we'll get into individual stuff um, in a minute but I I was. I said to you afterwards, I, I cannot believe that they went in at half-time and came out worse. That's, that's the sign of yeah that's the sign of a squad that to be frank is just i i don't i don't think they they've been good enough for over most of the season and they've underperformed for me quite badly and that's still what i believe this is but they looked so nervous first half they looked so they weren't they weren't taking risks they weren't getting involved they were struggling to string two or three passes together and a lot of people are a lot higher on that first half performance than i was but I, I i just i didn't think there was much in the game but i thought it was because commentary weren't playing particularly well mm-hmm. not because uh, you know not because of anything really that town were doing and the goal is is it happens in football doesn't it you know you can't sometimes you can't legislate for an individual mistake but if you're going to play that pass you don't want to give it straight to the lad who i think is the best pure centre forward in the league um and you know lo and behold it does and he finishes superbly I mean, it was a great finish really really mm. good finish but also you look at it individually and you think well there's just so many ways Halleck could have dealt with that better you know there were so many other options available rather than trying to do what he did um, and it, it was just symptomatic of a sort of a, a team that were just making bad decisions I think on the day and then when they came out after half to, half time I was going to say half term then after they <laughs> came out after half term they uh, they just look worse, you know. They they really looked scared. They looked fragile. They looked mentally fragile. And the second goal, where you know, the more you, the more you watch the second goal, for me anyway, Steve, I think the worse it looks because mm-hmm. it, it's not rocket science. You know, commentary haven't produced some brilliant free flowing move. It's just a very simple, a very very simple shift and move and. Yeah, you know it's it's, and from that point they just really did collapse. You know they they really did collapse, and I I'm not surprised that there were a few tears at the end, like you say, because I genuinely just think mentally they'd gone yesterday. I I I think they were coming out expecting things to be better. Uh, and it just didn't happen you know and then they then they collapsed a bit and it was you know it was tough at the end really it was tough at the end there was hardly anyone in the ground you know it was yeah it was horrible it was horrible but they were the architects of their own downfall we can't get away from that you know
0: yeah I I think there was sort of no one who summed it up th- the, the performance as a whole better than Scott High who I thought was town's best player in the first half went twice, twice went close to scoring mm. um, I, I know he had that that poor through ball for Jaheim Headley early on but after that I thought he was really in the game he was really dynamic he was driving the play forward he was getting in positions to score himself that that shot that he had just before the break really was very close yeah. when you saw it from the reverse angle it, it, it only just went around the post uh, and then second half I thought he was one of their worst players you know you mentioned that second goal he doesn't track Hamer into the box um they never should have been able to play that ball into Hamer anyway, because I think no. Matt Lowton just no. stands off his man, stands off his man, stands off his man, and does nothing. I thought he had another poor game. He's been, I think, quite a poor signing for Town, and I think it makes the decision to to let Kane Hayden and Sorba Thomas both go in January look a bit daft. To be honest, I know that's a, mm. you know, I know we played Devil's Advocate and sort of defended that that move at the time, but it, it hasn't worked out. Um, obviously he's then at fault for the third goal gives it away uh, really really cheaply I I think he does sell Scott High short I think a more experienced player than Scott High probably just takes the man (laughs) rather than trying to Mm, honestly step in front of him and and try and win the ball I think a more experienced player just just holds him down Um, yeah agreed completely agree and by the time they make it four I don't think anyone was that bothered by the fourth whether you know it was game was long since dead and gone I think as I say there's very few positives to take I think there were a few players who kept plugging away Jack Radoni and Joe Hungbo um in particular also Brahima Diara uh were still going even at 3 nil. um so you know credit to them for that but yeah they, they're just they're just nowhere near are they 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 look like nah. they look like a, a league one side playing in the
1: division above and do you do you just out of interest? Do you agree with me? Do you think it's a mental thing? Because I think the talent is there for, you know, I've always maintained. I think that squad and the first eleven you can pull from that squad should be a lower mid-table side. Yeah. Right? But I just think they've been so mentally fragile this season and last. And, and yesterday, we're recording this on the Sunday, for me, that was just all of that coming home to Roost in, in one single 90 minutes, really, that encapsulated the season as a whole.
0: Yeah, I think this has been coming. I think, yes, it is a mental thing. Uh, I think I've got two points on this, actually, but I think, yes, it is a mental thing because I think that plays into why they've suddenly started losing by three and four goals now, which yeah. they weren't doing yeah. earlier in the season. Um Agreed. you know, that as I say, they, they barely did it at all um until after the Blackpool game, really. I think that game and then the Wigan game that, that then followed has as completely knocked them on the backside. Um and and I think that's why you're now getting the threes and fours, but mm. you know, I think there were signs of it coming. You know, there there were quite a few games even before they started letting the the heavy defeats seep in where You'd see them. You'd see something go against them. They'd either concede or they'd miss a big chance or whatever it was, and then they would just basically stop playing. You know how many times a season? If we said, "Oh, they did all right for half an hour," and then they just seemed to stop, or they did all right for an hour and then they just seemed to stop. Um, yeah. So I think I think this sort of has been coming. I was also thinking yesterday. You know, some of the some of the stuff they're doing, the way that they just, and I know they've had no fluency all season, but. It's sort of when you think about how many players they've used, how many different lineups they've used, how many different midfield units, defensive units, mm-hmm. forward lines.
1: Yeah,
0: it's yeah. such a hodgepodge of a squad. A lot of them have, I, I think, you could probably go through the lineups and, and pull out probably about 20 odd unique 11s that they've had this season. Um, and I think it's been sort of assembled without a clear idea of what they actually want to be you know and I think a lot of the January business has, has muddled that you know we I mentioned the Matt Lowton signing and and you know letting Thomas and, and Kessler Hayden go to get him in because Fotheringham wanted experience and then two weeks later after you know a week after the transfer window closes he's gone and then you suddenly want new energy and new ideas, and they've just they've never found anything like a winning formula this season. And I think in trying no. to to find that and trying out so many different players and trying out you know bringing in so many players in January, you know Warnock was talking last week about how he can't find a you know how he had to have a think about where he can fit Anthony Knockhart into his side, and that's sort of the marquee signing they made in January, and now they can't work out how to get him into the team. So, I think it's just it's very muddled. I don't think anyone quite knows what they're doing. I think that's why you end up with Warnock saying you're getting silly mistakes that you, you shouldn't have to coach because I, I just don't think anyone has any idea of, of what they're doing. And, you know, I think if Warnock had had longer, if he'd come in in, in September, say, and, and I don't think he would have done because he has said that he only wants to work. Ten weeks a year, and he, he wasn't joking about that. I think that is a sincere um, thing that he was saying. But you know, I think if someone like him had come in in September, maybe they could have got it sorted out. But I think it's it's too late for him now. You know, it's I know he's got an international break coming up, but unless that they win basically all their games before the international break or three out of four, that it's going to be meaningless by that point. They're planning for, for next season at that at that point. So yeah, I think it's it's just a, looks very confused.
1: Yeah, I, I think you have to go right back to the summer and you think that they were planning to improve a Carlos Corbran squad mm-hmm. and then suddenly looking at how to bolster Danny Schofield's ideas and then trying to get a squad together that Mark Fotheringham could work for and now we have Neil Warnock here who is a manager who wants his team to do specific things and he hasn't got players for those roles. And it just, like you say, it... it i do think it's a mental thing i think those players have had so many differing sets of instructions i think a lot of their i think a lot of their confidence is is predictably through the floor but they i think the difference is that i think some of those players have been in difficult periods before and they've found a way Mm -hmm. or they've managed to kickstart themselves or you know they've been able to spend time training with a manager and like you know doing specific things and getting themselves back ready and all of that sort of thing hasn't really been available this season and I do I feel like when you look at the squad now I, as I said I, I will not be sort of um, you, you can't persuade me that it shouldn't be a lower mid table squad because I just I just think it should they, they're more than capable of that but it doesn't feel like a squad that's been put together by one cohesive voice you know it doesn't feel like okay this is is there's a vision behind this squad it feels like right we need to do this now okay we need to do this now okay we need to do this now and if the two things contradict each other it's just the way it is so yeah you you come to that 90 minutes again yesterday and as i said it just felt like all those chickens came home to roost the sort of mental fragility the the one or two players feeling a bit uncomfortable in the roles they're they're being asked to play. I think a little bit of the recruitment came to the fore. I'm with you on and I thought he was, he started when he started mm. on the right. I thought he started really well, but then the injury to Hadley meant he had to switch to the left, and I thought he was he was pretty bad from that point. I don't think Matty Pearson should ever play on the left ever again. He he, you know, his left foot is a swinger. He, he struggles to play simple balls with his left foot, I just, there's so many, there's so many little issues that then add up to one big problem don't they, we've discussed it on here before that if you if you have a series of small problems, you haven't got a series of small problems have you, you you've got one massive problem which is that you've, you've got issues to sort in every area of the pitch and... It, it all feels a bit inevitable now it all feels like even if they boot and rally and do really well that's probably not going to be enough either and it is, you know they they it, they are sort of dying by their own hand here that's that's ultimately where we are with it and I think they, they just need to manage their way through to the end of the season in any way they can that tries to restore a little bit of confidence and mental strength into one or two in that squad
0: yeah, my five conclusions I've already written for, for Monday morning and I think of I think there's comparisons to be made from, from two seasons where they have gone close to relegation and both of them happening at once I think have, have ended up in what you've got now, which is there's the hangover from last season, uh reaching the yep. playoff final and the players that were there last season, you know, Fotheringham talked about this repeatedly, um, that they were suffering from, from the hangover of losing that final the way that they, they did. Um yeah. and going so close and then missing out. I think there's echoes of 2019-20 there, where you had the players that were left over from the Premier League. The few of them were coming into the season low on confidence, having just had a nightmare campaign. And you've also got elements of Carlos Gorbrand's first season, 2020-21, where you ended up with injuries, through a combination of injuries and design, ended up playing a lot of young players from the B team who, if you put sort of one or two or three you know as they did last year one or two or three of them as squad members into a team that was doing well I think there's a uh, an environment for there to thrive for them to thrive but I think when you put Headley, Kamara high you know even Hungbo hasn't played a huge amount of football I know he's a little bit older but you know he's not played a huge amount of senior football the pitch you know I'm not saying these players haven't done well but I think when you find yourself looking to those players to fill three four five gaps in yeah. the, in the start 11 and you know Brahima Diarra Diara coming off the bench for example it's it's too much for it's it's just too much you know uh, and I'm not saying that that's sort of you know the mental weight is is weighing on them I think it would be forgivable if it were but I think it's just as you say there's lots of little things going wrong young players we know are prone to, to making mistakes and not doing things exactly right and you know they're going to have. I think a lot of those players, pretty much all of them, have named are going to have bright futures. Um, but in the here and now, every little mistake they make just just adds to what is already a, a team that isn't functioning very well.
1: Yeah, and that was that was where we were yesterday afternoon for that second half. You know they concede the second, and then they concede the third again, which is is just a really it's just a really straightforward goal to concede. You know, it's just a really like. It feels like a FIFA goal, and I don't mean that in a good way. You know, it just feels like a real. You're playing against somebody who's levels down with you on FIFA. I'm pretending I know how to play FIFA, Steve. I've never played FIFA in my life. Have you I don't not? like football games. I don't like football games at all. I, I sensible soccer I <laughs> adored, and I still play now. And that is where I stopped. I have no interest in realism, but it it just. You like the fourth goal? It's not even worth discussing because they were, you know, they were they were high. They were trying to get something. They were trying to get a consolation. Yeah. Helic was basically playing as a centre forward at the time. Fine, but to concede the second and then to concede the third so quickly, uh, yeah, it was just a collapse. And it just, I think, when they bought Warnock in and they get the Birmingham win. We were trying to do as good a job as possible of saying, OK, there's a bit of hope here. There is a way they can pull themselves out. But I almost feel now, I said to you yesterday about an hour and a half after the game when we were walking out, and I said to you, in a funny sort of way, you almost feel there's a sense of relief now because the the, the hope has effectively gone, so you're not sort of clinging on to anything and everybody can just kind of mentally not, not move on or get over it because, you know, relegation is, is horrible and it's it's tough and, uh, you know, League One is not is not a great prospect. But at the same time, they've got 12 games left and I think the, way, the only way they can sort of salvage something out of the season is just to try and protect some of the players that they want to keep a bit and just to try and get them going a little bit again. People like, you know, Jack Rodone who... I I feel he's a really capable footballer but I feel he's just incredibly unlucky like I, I feel like if he could just get one to go in off his off his bum cheek <laughs> you know if he could just get something just to get him going he could be really good but yeah yeah it, it's this it, it feels like quite a sort of downbeat podcast because there <laughs> there is legitimately no way to spin this and it's not we've done other downbeat podcasts but it's been sort of threaded with a bit of anger because it's been you know this isn't good enough they shouldn't be doing this whereas this one does just feel you know like a bit of a shame
0: <laughs> yeah I, th- I think that's fair we- we're talking as though they are down and obviously they're they're not but I th- I think we need to sort of at this point treat it as though they're going to be because I, mm. you know until we see three wins in a row, I think we've we've no reason to believe that they're not going to be. No. You know, it's it's almost insurmountable. It's it's not quite, but it's it's uh, very let's, boring. let's
1: be honest. Let's be honest, you're not being flippant there. No. Three wins a row is, yeah, is yeah. the level. Genu- now. Yeah, yeah. And they've got Norwich to play, they've got West Brom to play, they've got you know they've got some really tough games coming up. So it's not we know it's it's mathematically not impossible, and it 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 could happen. Who knows? It could be Warnock's last miracle, and if it is, brilliant. But there was zero evidence on that pitch yesterday to suggest either me or you, as analysts, journalists, invested neutrals, or on any other level, actually believes they can pull themselves out of it. Yeah,
0: I, I think there were a few sort of telling comments from Warnock as well after the game, where he was saying, you know. We're playing for pride, um, which is the kind of thing that that you normally say after you have been confirmed down. You know, he said said he's never been in a situation as tough as this one and he's resting some clubs for some very, very tough situations. To be honest, he's been relegated um, in some very, very tough situations and he says he's never been in one like this. Um, You know, he was saying he feels like... He said he feels like it's a good thing that he's here. Regardless, and I think sort of the undertone as that was, even if we go down, I feel like it's a good thing that I'm here, Um and yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure he'll come out on Monday and be talking about how they still have a chance and they can't give up and they have to keep going and etc. etc. and you know the players have to have that attitude because they they really do have zero chance unless they I mean it's, approach it. It's that.
1: it's literally their day job to have that yeah, attitude. Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think for for us as observers and, and certainly for the fans, I think, yeah, I think as I say, it's it's I think it's it's foregone conclusion at this point, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to know what to add because we don't know what is going to happen next. And I wrote a bit about this last week, but I think on and off the pitch, you know, I was writing saying this is sort of the biggest ten weeks for. A generation for town because they've had relegation battles before they've had takeovers they've had changes of ownership etc um but I think it's been a long time since they've had uh both at once even when Hoyle sold to Hodgkinson when they're you know after they've already been relegated in 2019 they had already been relegated I think that was significant and also you know Dean Hoyle did still sort of stay on at the club and was there as a safety net but uh, and we knew at the time he announced it who he was selling it to you know they made those two announcements concurrently um whereas now again we know the rumors um but we we don't have certainty on on what comes next and i think it it does make it sort of hard to talk about what the future looks like for the sealed town uh presumably in league 1 because we just we don't know what you know. Who's going to be doing the planning? What's their vision for the club? What what are their priorities? Well, who's going to be staying? You know who, who will yeah. be sold. There's there's lots of questions that are just you unknown. have to
1: remember. You have to remember here. We don't know what the league they're going to be in looks like potentially. And I know we're talking as if they're relegated. They're not relegated yet. But I, you know I'm with you, Steve. I think we really have to frame things in those terms now. We don't know who's going to own the club. We don't know who's going to be the manager. It's important yeah. to remember. It, 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 yeah, it's. it's. There's a way to potentially frame it where you can say it may not be the worst thing in the world because if things stayed the same and Town played, stayed in the Championship, what do you think is going to happen next season? Probably more of the same. <laughs> you know, probably a battle to finish 20th or, or, or 21st so maybe there is an argument that they need this reset they need to this sort of clean slate but it doesn't really provide much comfort at all at the moment because you just there are so many unknowns but yeah i i'm i'm at the point where i just think that i, I think i completely understand why they bought Warnock in i think it, it's The difference with Warnock is you can lose that game yesterday and things feel as they are, and I don't think it got anything like as toxic as it would have done if, say, you know, Mark Fothering was still in that dugout. So I think that was that was a smart and canny decision. And I think Warnock probably will get a tune out of them over a few games before the end of the season. You know, likely when it's it's an impossible situation anyway, because we're we're inevitably getting to the point where somebody else is going to relegate them because not every result is going to go for them either week no matter what they do but yeah it's an uncertain future and i completely understand a a lot of fans were have sort of gone this season from apathy to to anger to back to apathy to acceptance it's it's been a funny old ride this season hasn't it steve (laughs)
0: Yeah, it, it it certainly has, and I think there will be more anger, you know, I think there will be more, you know, there are still lots of questions that need to be answered, uh, obviously that ATT meeting got, got pushed back, I think, understandably, uh, if, if the position they were in, and I, this certainly appears to be the case, you know, the ATT, the HTSA had that list of questions, and I think they wouldn't have been able to answer basically any of them, um, oh, yeah. unfortunately, at this oh, stage, yeah. so... I think they they had to, to push that back as as frustrating as it is. But I think at the moment it's if they can get out of it, fantastic. But I think now what people are actually realistically looking for is what is the future of the club? Um, you know, yeah. what does the future look like? Who's going to own it? Who's going to be the manager? What's the vision? What's the recruitment model? Uh, again, you know, we're, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're still in early March, but but which players will stay? Uh, which players oh, will I, go? I, I...
1: I think the problem is, though, Steve, because of the nature of how things are gone. I know, I know, we are getting a, ahead of ourselves. I completely accept that, but at the same time, there are legitimate questions. Yeah. you know, really legitimate questions right now, and even more so probably in a month's time. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. So, it it's not that it's not that me and you are just like assuming everything and taking things for granted. It's it's just we can't. You can only react to what's happened on a Saturday, and we all saw what happened. So I think that yeah. I think there are legitimate questions, but I think the flip side is me and you weirdly both kind of think that cancelling the ATT was actually the right decision as well because realistically 15 different ways of either saying either we can't comment on that or we can't talk about that yet just serves to do nothing. That annoys people more than cancelling it. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's quite a weird position really that one to be in.
0: Yeah and and I think you know you obviously you don't need to include the players in this you don't you don't I think at this point you don't give them a sniff of it but I think they would be daft if they weren't at least starting to to put plans in place I know that you know I'm sure they'll have two budgets because I've worked in finance I've looked after the finances for a company before yeah. and you do prepare uh budgets for different scenarios so I'm sure that's already in place but you know that some of the practical concerns I think maybe need to be put in motion now you know we know that this is the time of year probably earlier to be honest where you're picking up the phone to to, to mm-hmm. agents and saying you know for players who are out of contract in the summer saying mm-hmm. would they be interested in coming I think maybe you look at a few of them now who are who could be sort of leading lights in in league one um mm-hmm. and and start making serious inquiries there um things like that you know but you know, they've got Bristol City on Tuesday. As we say, they they can't they can't present like they've given up um, either, sort of off the pitch or on the pitch. And I wouldn't expect them to. Um, and I know they they had a, a bad result at the weekend. You know, they've realistically got nothing to play for at this stage. So. So who knows how that game will go. You know, they might be able to, to bounce back. You know, they might go and win 4 0 and then suddenly the, the, the tone changes again. Um but as I said, I think it really does, and you're right, I wasn't being flippant. I think they do need to win three of the next four. Um yeah. for for me to feel yeah, like me to me for me to me feel too. like it's there's any sort of reversal of fortune at all on the cards here. Um and <laughs> you know, you just I think it's I think some people on Twitter yesterday, you know, picked up on my my match report where I said they're done, um, in in <laughs> in those words, and and said it was brutal. They weren't disagreeing with me, but they, they were saying it was brutal. But you know, there's been reports this season that I've written, and as you said, much like the tone of this podcast, where I've been angry or frustrated or whatever, or you know, disappointed, etc. But I wasn't being angry when I said that. I, I you know, I felt actually quite quite sanguine and felt I was just being realistic and you know, I I think that's Well we're where we are now.
1: we're analytical. We're analytical. That that's what we've always said on this podcast. We are invested neutrals. You know, we both want town to we both want town to survive. We both want town to do well and we had much more fun last season mm. doing this podcast and doing stuff around town than we have this season. So don't for a minute think there's any any joy in it but if we're being analytical there is no evidence to suggest they're going to turn this round and I mean even if they go and realistically even if they go and turn around and beat Bristol City 3-0 4-0 you know they have a huge reaction they come out anger, angry they win that game brilliantly I still think it's done Steve you know I, it's my, my big issue more than anything else is not just what Town are doing is that I were, you know, the other podcast uh, where they did a predictions league, and I thought right from the off this was the season that Rotherham stayed up, and I I still think they will stay up. I think Cardiff have finally got something about them, and they are, you know, they're picking up points that that Town aren't. You look at a team like I don't know, even a team like Blackpool who didn't just write the Burnley game off and went and got somewhere. You look at Teams like Birmingham, who I think are pretty dreadful and I think could get drawn into it, but I don't think they're going to get drawn into it far enough down for Town to be able to, to catch them or get there. So it's it's just looking at it from an analytical point of view and it's, it, it is a bit depressing and it is a bit sad, but yeah that's where we are after that 90 minutes isn't it and i i was with i was like you i listened to walnuts press conference yesterday with great interest because i didn't know if it were well we were sort of, there was a little bit of debate in the press room before wasn't there wasn't he was he going to come in like you know all guns blazing really angry was he going to come in sort of quite unflappable and really came in and was just quite accepting wasn't he it was just quite It is what it is. There's not much I can do about it at the moment. We just have to roll on to the next game. So I'll be interested to see what he's like in his next press conference because he'll have watched the game back at that point. And I think I think he might get a bit more. I think Hmm. he might lurch a bit more towards anger. Yeah, (laughs) it's
0: what happened last week. He was the same again after Burnley, and then on Thursday was actually sort of actually saying no that was that was not no good um mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah birmingham and qpr are both down there and, and are in dreadful form but as as you pointed out you know goal difference is a factor now they had one of the best goal differences it's another point yeah it's another they point, had realistically they had one of the best goal differences in in the bottom five until recently and then you know funnily enough if you you know, if you add, if you're minus eleven from your goal difference, of thing as they have from Stoke, Burnley, and Coventry, um, there's now only Wigan with the worst one. So, you know, we're, t- we're saying it's a seven-point gap to Cardiff, and it's eight to Birmingham and, and QPR. But realistically, as you say, it's it's eight and nine really as it stands, unless they mm-hmm. also have a you know a dreadful run like Town have had, or if Town go and start winning games two, three nil. The other factor in this, potentially, obviously, the team we've not touched on is is Reading. Um, they are being investigated again. Um, there's been talk of a points deduction for them. I'm only going off here what the Telegraph have reported. Um, obviously, you know, Huddersfield Town are, the, are my concern. I've not been sort of digging into um, Reading's affairs, uh, so I'm only going on what's been reported in the national media, but, but their suggestion is that it's looking like a six-point deduction for them. Obviously, Birmingham are being investigated. We don't know if if they'll have a deduction, uh, but I think they're again the 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 natter on the the national press is that it's they're looking at a suspended sentence uh, rather than a, a, a deduction. Now, it sort of feels like it would need to be a surprise um, from either for either one of those clubs, or probably, let's be honest, both of those clubs, to give Town a lifeline at this point doesn't it
1: yeah and they, I mean you shouldn't be relying on a legal process no. to try and help you help your league states would you that, that's where we are with it and it, it's it, like I think for a long time that championship table the thing we were taking solace from is because it was absolutely balmy yeah you know there was there was I think it was as recent as about three weeks ago that Luton and Fourth were closer to the bottom team than they were to the top team you know if, just like crazy crazy league setup but over the last couple of weeks over the last fortnight really the league has sort of really shaken out into some sort of shape <laughs> now and it looks i would say there are an awful awful lot of teams probably two-thirds of teams in that leagues are probably going to finish within a place or two of where they are now that's that's where we are so I don't even see the sort of comfort in that that cluster of clubs now anymore. Um, And I just don't... uh, Who knows? Look, the Championship is weird. We've seen teams go on crazy losing runs and get caught and get dragged down into it out of nowhere. But the flip side is, Town have been down amongst the dead men for so long now. For so long. And I spent a lot of time on this podcast saying that mentally one of the big things they had to do was get out of that bottom three at some point if at any point they could have just got out of there for a week or two so they they didn't feel like there was this constant pressure of being in that bottom three i just think it would have made a a, a big difference and they've just never had that mental that mental lift of that have they
0: blackpool was the one wasn't it really you know yeah. not failing to win that game Obviously that cost Mark Fotheringham his job, but and then obviously losing at, at Wigan to, to follow that up under under caretaker management. You know, I was looking the other day just out of interest, and it's kind of immaterial at this stage because they don't have to play any of them um, uh, before the end of the season. But I was looking at what was the bottom five mini league, which had rather a minute instead of. QPR and Town's record in that was was dreadful. Wigan's was actually really good. Um, Wigan had the best, mm. the second best record in the division against the bottom, the bottom five. Weirdly, um, so
1: you know for context here though, Town have only been out of the bottom two for for two weeks this year, yeah. and that was that was when they beat Stoke three third game of the season. Um, they followed it up. They lost to they lost to Norwich. Every other week of the season, they've been in the in the bottom three, and that's you know mentally it's absolutely crushing, Steve. You know that is, is really really difficult, and yeah, I know we've said it before, but it really did feel like yesterday that all of these things came to a head, and it was I kind of felt yesterday it was like well Neil Warnock, Mark Fotheringham, Pep Guardiola, <laughs> Gareth Southgate. You know, the ghost of Herbert Chapman, (laughs) it doesn't really matter who was in that dugout. That, that, all of the weight of, of everything that had gone before, the sort of, the games where they've been close but not managed to pull it off, all of those games where they've not managed to turn one goal into two and it's cost them, all of the, the draws that should have been wins, all of the losses that should have been draws, just all came to a, all came to a head. Um, And yeah. He's hoping we can just try and enjoy a couple of games before the end of the season that's that's it's a horribly depressing thing to say but that's kind of where i am with it now
0: yeah sort of reminds me a little bit um and obviously it's not as, as bad as that and again i don't want to make out like it is but you know when i first started this job my first game for the examiner was um was the game where they relegate relegated from the premier league away to crystal palace and some of the you know some of the games that followed there was lots of sort of gallows humor and the town fans were just like determined to enjoy themselves regardless and you know see how, and I know it's different when it's the Premier League because no one expected to get there in the first place um it's a very very different thing when you're going down to league one and you feel like you're dropping out of a division that you should be in um but um
1: but tables don't lie, do yeah they? you know. 34 games they've only won eight you know they've only drawn seven they've lost 19 games of football yeah and they've not they they, my big criticism and our both of our big criticisms throughout has been the lack of finding ways to attack and we sit here 34 games in and they've not managed to go at a goal a game at any point this season and that's if you don't do that (laughs) you don't you know it was sarah Winterburn at football 365 that always said if if you don't go at a goal a game in the league you're in (laughs) you should be relegated regardless of what you finish with points wise (laughs) Uh, which would be quite a radical suggestion sarah i'm not i'm not against it though if i'm honest but they at no point have they been at the races so the idea of saying I don't know, yesterday was some sort of nadir and it's gonna be like milk and honey from here and they're gonna pull themselves yeah. out of it. There's just no basis to, to believe it. That's that's the honest truth.
0: Yeah. Hello, Sarah, if you're listening. Famous town fan.
1: Well she is. She I was gonna say, famously a <laughs> Huddersfield town fan. So And a and a lovely woman. Yes.
0: Um that that wasn't uh, that wasn't dismissive. That was agreement. Um, no, it's
1: well. As I mean, anybody can Google either of us on Football Three Sixty Five and find a litany of our work up there. Hey, I, w- I wouldn't
0: have a career if it wasn't for Sarah Winterburn. So there you go. Um, but yeah, look, it's 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 a tough one, and I think <laughs> future podcasts are going to be quite difficult. I'd love them to go on a winning run so that we can come back bouncing into the metaphorical studio and and be a lot more upbeat next time because there's still two months of the season left to go. And, um, it doesn't give us a huge amount to talk about if, if we consistently, if, if we continue to feel like this and feel like it's, you know, it's, it is a foregone conclusion and, and they're going down. Um, two months is a, a lot of content, um, for us to fill, but, um, yeah as i say i think neither of us are trying to be sort of pessimistic or miserable or anything like that i think i think it i think there's just a degree of reality to the situation now and we'll see how they get on you know they might yet surprise us but yeah i mean i
1: think we needed to i think we've needed to do it this way and do this podcast this way because we've got all of this stuff off our (laughs) chest yeah so that win, lose or draw, we can just kind of zero in a bit more on individuals and on, on the games again. Because yesterday, I think, just felt like a collective failure to me. Yeah. And I think it would be nice going forward, even if things are still a bit grim, to just get back to hopefully talking about one or two bright spots or yeah. things we liked, instead of just saying, you know, yesterday <laughs> was just a relentless march to oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, well we always say on this podcast we need to leave ourselves places to go. So sometimes we are slower in our criticism than, than some of the fans are. Sometimes we're slower in our praise than some of the fans are. Um but I, I, I John Ross. I kind of I kinda of feel like that this even if they do survive, we needed to sort of have this discussion because you know, I think yeah. I think it does <laughs> if they do survive then we can point back to this and say, bloody hell, that's where we were mentally, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yep. I don't I don't see any point sort of pretending otherwise at this stage, but there we go. Uh, right, David, do we have anything else to add? No. Good. Let's have your musical recommendation, please. Two
1: seconds. Let me just bring I'll, up my spot. I'll mine. do mine. I didn't have it ready. I'll
0: do mine while you're looking. Uh, re-watched recently the Suffin' Stevens live tour from a few years ago, the Carrie and Lowell tour which he released as a live album and which is all on YouTube. I would recommend you watch it on on YouTube to be honest. Uh, it's probably the best gig I've ever been to. Uh, it was also the gig that converted me to feeling that seating at certain gigs is actually a good thing and not a bad thing particularly as I've you know, I'm, I'm 35 now. I can't be standing up for, for three hours, Dave. Uh, it's nice to have a, a rest. Um, but no, uh, it was a really special night, and it was it's great that it's committed to camera. Uh, if you're a Sufjan Stevens fan and you've not seen it or heard the live album version of that, I recommend you check it out anyway because he does a few modified versions of some of the songs, which I know is not to everyone's taste, but I think they bring out a new dimension of all the songs that he... That he changes, uh, and he doesn't do doesn't do a Bob Dylan and change every single song, so the whole that gig is just uh, unlistenable. So there you go, Dave. What's yours? He doesn't do
1: a Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh, I've been. Why are you doing Young yeah, this...
0: Triple H? That's lost on you. Isn't it, <laughs>
1: uh, I've been listening to Sam Fender again, which I absolutely hammered last year when he brought out Seventeen Going Under. But there's there's um, a deluxe version of that album that has gone up with a this to is the full gig from Finsbury Park which I've been listening to in the car to and from work and he is just a brilliant vocalist, songwriter and lyricist. So there you go. So he's quite a populist one that but he is absolutely superb.
0: Lovely. Are you having a roast dinner now? I am. I'm going to do roast chicken. Hey we're having roast chicken as well. What are you having with it? Uh
1: just potato, standard veg, bit of gravy.
0: Same. Lovely. Let's go and enjoy our respective chickens. We hope you enjoyed your respective chicken and your respective heart trick. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs)